Sandman recently. Apparently this is... Act- Actually, that was more emotional than the Sandman character. And I assume that's what he was told to do by the director. Have zero emotion. I had a couple of issues with it. It mostly comes down to writing. I do like to analyze writing a lot. I enjoyed the show. Let's be very clear. I actually enjoyed Sandman. I didn't watch the last episode, the cartoon one with the cats. I got about 20 minutes in. I was like, nah, not for me. But there were a couple of moments that stood out because they do, it's a flaw in writing and good characterization. So there's a moment where he's in hell and they're walking him past some cells in hell and he meets a woman and it's his 10,000 year old love. And he says, I love you, but I can't forgive you. And then he moves on. And I was like, you cannot say I've sent you or put you in hell for 10,000 years. And it clearly have the ability to come and visit or do stuff in hell. And say, I still love you, but I can't forgive you what you did and not say what you did. And there is why. Because whatever crime the love interest who's in hell committed when compared to the punishment of having spent 10,000 years already in hell makes Sandman look like a dick. There's no... So, I murdered someone. There's punishments that we feel are appropriate. And an eternity in hell is always going to be more than the crime committed. And that's one of the problems with hell as a concept because... There is going to be a point where maybe you've paid off your debt. So this guy, she did something to Sandman. But as soon as you articulate what that thing is, you have a problem. Because now the punishment will feel, yeah, the punishment will feel out of scale to the crime committed or whatever awful thing she did to Sandman. So that was the first problem because I was like, you cannot put someone in hell for 10,000 years and not tell us why. Not telling us why, keeping it vague, is because the writer probably realized, I bet in the first draft, the reason was put in there. Whatever the crime was, whatever the offense was, it's going to be out of scale. It's going to be uh, not, the punishment's going to be too much for whatever was done. So I bet in the first draft, the writer actually put in, oh, like, in hell because of A, B, or C. Or in the writer's head, they had a reason. But then as soon as they put pen to paper and said, like, in hell because you cheated on me, 10,000 years in hell for cheating on someone? 10,000 years in hell for stealing something? Seems like an unfair punishment. So as, as soon as you do that, then Sandman seems like a bit of a shithead and an asshole. Now, they actually set him up to be a bit of a shithead and an asshole, if we're being really honest. But if you don't say the thing, the, the, the reader or the viewer can fill in the crime. And then Sandman can remain aloof yet relatable, which is what you actually want. You want Because he's an aloof character, but you want him to be relatable to the viewer. The viewer most likely would not send someone to hell for 10,000 years for anything. Like it would have to be the most significant crimes. And if that's what this person did, there's also the secondary issue of why would you love someone who would commit that crime? So you can see there's a bunch of issues there. And I, I think 
it was it was an interesting drop because we're, we're going to build some background, but we're not going to fill it in because as soon as we fill it in, Sandman looks bad. I also had an issue with the fact that nothing makes sense. <laughs> now, this is surrealist. It's supposed to be uh, his power holds true in the dreamscape. In the dream world, he can do whatever he wants. He's, he's the all-powerful dreaming entity. That's great. I'm okay with that. But most of this show happens outside the dream world. And it's never clearly established what are Sandman's powers outside the dream world. And this is a thing I've complained about a few times now. Is without the rules, without an understanding of the powers, I now have no sense of peril. Because it seems like whatever Sandman needs to do in the moment, Sandman is now able to do. To me, it actually seems like outside of the dream realm, Sandman should be absolutely incapable of doing anything. Uh, Sandman should be completely incapable of inflicting anything on a human being or any other entity, unless they also come from the dream world. I, I would accept that. It just didn't make sense. Since I don't know what he can and cannot do, whenever there was a conflict, I was really unsure of what that conflict meant. Because I don't know, is Sandman in peril? Is this like a ploy? And this was, this was, it was kind of felt that way throughout the whole thing because it's, it's supposed to be surreal. I would accept if Sandman could make you go to sleep and then since you're asleep, you go into the dream world and then in the dream world, Sandman can manipulate you. You get almost into that Rick and Morty episode where they make fun of uh, Inception, where they go deeper into the nightmares and deeper and deeper into the nightmares where it's not a nightmare anymore. But it honestly seemed like the description of the abilities of Sandman were unclear and left vague. Everything was left vague on purpose. And you were, as the viewer, supposed to fill it in. So I think if you have like a very vibrant imagination, this was a better show. Whereas I wanted, I had no investment. So I wanted the show to tell me what was possible and what was not possible. They showed Sandman as being unchanging character-wise over most of the show. And then the last, essentially, century suddenly softened up. So a century in prison was enough to soften Sandman's attitude so that he was now accepting or forgiving more as a, as a like a more gentle uh, king of the, the, the dreamscape. But that actually didn't track because, again, the time scale is now way off. It's really just 100 years. And then you take that back to the first thing I just talked about. He's punished this girl to 10,000 years in prison so far. It didn't seem like he was going to take her out, so she was going to be in there forever. If he softened over a century, maybe the punishment of 10,000 years in, in, in hell is a bit much. I could go on for this for quite a while. The battle between Sandman and Lucifer was pretty funny because they just said, I am this, and then I would counter with, I am this, and then the effect would happen on the other person, go back and forth. But then really quickly you got to I am the universe and then Sandman said I am hope. And I was like, really, your opener should have been I am hope and then just finish it there. Like the actual preceding bits, like I'm a snake, I'm a bird, I'm a whatever. <laughs> Jump to hope. Why are you wasting time with the small guns when you just be like I am hope and then like Lucifer's like, ah, fuck. Sandman's all right. But if you start looking at it critically, I think you're going to find uh, several of the same issues I found. It would have been better to watch it before you heard this. Now that you've heard this, I actually would say don't watch it unless you want to experience those things I experienced firsthand. 
I received a message from Spanked by Wife 101. And I have to say, first of all, I mean, uh, if you're choosing usernames, I've chosen Chunk McBeefchest. I've branded quite thoroughly now that everything is branded under the Chunk McBeefchest name, C. McBee. And that, that name did not come quickly or easily. It took time and it took thought. But Spanked by Wife, it's, it's, I think to me, it's the addition of the 101. Spanked by Wife 101 uh, is just a great username. But you sent a message on SpeakPipe, which I appreciate. I, I really enjoy the messages. The problem is I couldn't hear a single word you said because apparently Spanked by Wife 101 doesn't know how a microphone works. On your phone, if you turn on SpeakPipe and then throw the phone into a river and then speak, uh, I'm not going to be able to hear what you guys say. So you have to actually hold the phone still, like just you're talking to a person, because this is what you're actually doing. You're recording a message into the phone for me to hear. Um, so you hold the phone up like you're talking to a person, and in a way, in a time-delayed way, you're speaking to me directly, which is what I want. It's what I've always wanted with this podcast. What I've always wanted with this is like create a community and talk to each other really like deeply and honestly and truly. Um, if you throw your phone into a river and try to record it that way, it's, it's, it doesn't work out as well. So please, spanked by wife... 101, if you hear this, I, I'll, clearly you're a listener, so uh, if you hear this, I would love if you would re-record your message for me, and this time, keep the phone in the same room you're in. I, I think it would be even better if you held it up to your face, but if you can at least just keep it in the same room, uh, don't feed it to the dog first, uh, don't, don't let an eagle fly off with it, because that makes it really hard for me, hear, me to hear the message. But uh, if you get a chance and you hear this, Please submit your message again, because I got it. I just couldn't hear it. There you go. Aliens. <laughs> How many hours have I spent talking about aliens is a very interesting question in itself. But I did, I had an argument. People keep coming up to me and arguing with me about aliens. And I have a very humans are not a special or unique species in the universe view of humanity, whereas media has taught us that our uh, intellect or integrity or, or creativity or stuff, like all these science fiction shows like Star Wars and Star, and Star, Star Wars, I guess, doesn't because humans are just one of the aliens, but they're sort of dominant. But Star Trek, the aliens will always go like, oh, human curiosity or human ingenuity. I was like, fuck off. If you're an advanced species, you have just as much curiosity as humanity. You might have different cultural things, like the the, the Vulcans appreciate logic and stuff. That's I, I can accept all that, but it's not like they were not as curious as we were. So that's kind of bullshit. But I had this argument, and it's the argument about why aliens would or wouldn't come to Earth. And I think they wouldn't come to Earth because we are not interesting. That is the core argument I have, is that we are a species on a planet that has hit sort of this mid-tier level. We haven't ventured out into the universe. We don't have any technology. Uh, we're not that interesting to study because if you are an interplanetary species, you've seen us in some version, like again, not physically the same, but you've seen a dominant species on a planet come up, get technologically advanced, fuck up their planet and die. You've seen that before. So... There's not really that much that would be that interesting to watch it happen again. Uh, I, I could see them setting up like a probe and some cameras and just like taking pictures and then checking in every now and then and seeing where we are. But honestly, coming down and studying us, what would there be to study? If you're that technologically advanced, you're like, yes, we know how they form their carbon-based whatever. Uh, they breathe oxygen. 
we've seen 20 of those. And that took me to the next point. What if humanity as like a species type is actually the cockroaches of the universe? That we are not a species to be respected and loved, but we are actually just an infestation. So aliens are traveling around planet to planet and they come to a place like Earth and they go, oh, it's a nice planet, lots of water. That's great. We like water. Uh, it's, it's got sort of a, a nice temperate zone. It's in sort of that Goldilocks spot. It's a good place to set up. And they come back 10,000 years later and go, it's got humans. Fucking got humans again. This, this planet's it's just wrecked. Just like if I was looking for a house, I'd look at the outside of the house. The house is really nice. Oh, I go in. Oh, it's got cockroaches. I'm not buying this house. And then you just move on. You don't, as the non-owner of that house and or planet, you're not going to take the time to rectify the issue. And you're not going to sit around studying the cockroaches. You know what cockroaches are. They're an infestation that's really hard to get rid of unless you just like gas the whole place, which isn't worth the time, money, or effort. So it could be that aliens are not visiting Earth because they travel from planet to planet to planet. And any planet they have a human-like species on it, they consider it an infestation and they're just like, Let's just move on. Uh, this one's already wasted. And that's why there's a helicopter going by. This happened on Tuesday when I was getting really getting in the zone with something. An airplane or helicopter went by. It was really loud. So they must be traveling really low. Like my house is slightly vibrating. I assume you can hear it. So that's a military helicopter flying low over my town. It's sucked my balls. <laughs> I'm ready to take on the whole military to, to make my podcast sound better. I was thinking about soundproofing. There's not really an echo in my room because my room is very small. But sound, I was wondering if I put soundproofing up, would that, that soundproof from the outside? Because that's actually the issue is the outside noise bleeds in. Okay, I think it's gone. I need to conclude this and then we're moving on to the... <laughs> yeah, so I think now I've developed a new philosophy that aliens do not visit Earth because Earth is actually infested with a cockroach-like universal entity, which in this case manifests as humanity. And so if you go to other planets where there are humans, so like uh, upright walking, carbon-based uh, life forms uh, with the same sort of level of technology, aliens are like, ah, oh, gross. And then they just move on. And they move on because I, I don't even want to deal with that shit. They'll kill themselves off soon because they have no idea about self-preservation. They just don't do that right. So... That's that for them. And I think that is why uh, media created by humanity is always going to put humanity first, which actually I would like to see it done differently where like the, humans, the, the aliens are just like, oh God, these things are so gross. So I make a lot of stuff. And actually a lot of the people sort of in my friend group, they make stuff as well. And I have a lot of ideas. So I'll often talk to people about ideas. This is a mistake. You should not share or be kind to others. Uh, because usually the people you're talking to, either they're not as creative or they're not doing stuff, so they feel bad that you're putting all this effort in, you're making things, and they're not. So the way they deal with that, and again, I'm kind of thinking on the narcissist scale, maybe a little shifted that way, is to put you down in some way. So I am on the cusp of finishing off the main part of uh, a Choose Your Own Adventure book I wrote. And I was telling a coworker about it, and my coworker actually said it was derivative. But the irony being that they didn't use the big word; they said it has been done before. This is someone who 
every project they've taken on for themselves as a hobby has been done before. So there was a huge irony there. But sharing stuff with people, usually they'll, they'll, they'll try to criticize it. Again, you're just talking about the idea. Now, the idea is beyond criticism because it hasn't been formulated. It hasn't been done. It hasn't been finished. You can criticize a finished product. You can't really criticize something in progress. Now, I used to share stuff that I was doing in progress with people a lot because if I got positive feedback, it would actually like help fuel my desire to keep going. But that actually happens very rarely because they'll say like, oh, this isn't good enough or this isn't good enough or this should be improved, but it's not done yet. So then it feels like an unfair criticism. And if you say that back, it's like, well, I guess I just shouldn't tell anyone until it's finished. And then I realized this is why authors and, and, and songwriters and stuff, they don't share stuff until it's done. Because then if you criticize it, great, but you're probably not going to go back and change it anyways because you've moved on by that time. So I've found that sharing stuff with people can be risky because you end up feeling bad about the idea you've had. You haven't even implemented it yet. But I've actually found a great way to deal with this is kind of like a trolling situation. And so you present your idea. Now, one of my ideas, there's a, a TV show called Top Gear. It's a, it's a car show for like middle-aged men. And it's the number one show on the planet. Or it was. And then a whole bunch of stuff happened. That doesn't matter. And I was like, ah, I want to sort of mimic that structure and call it top shelf. And so what you do, it's a travel show. So I and my compatriots, if I was the star of the show, would go to a country. We would learn about that culture. That's the travel part. It would be like a 30-minute thing, first 10 minutes. Travel around, learn about the place. The second 10 minutes, sort of the mid-tier, mid part, you learn about a locally produced alcohol. So in Japan, it would be sake, let's say, just as an example. And then the third 10 minutes is you get ripped with locals playing some kind of local drinking game. And so that's where the sort of light comedy would come in because people getting drunk together, playing games, is going to be inherently amusing, I think. Now, there's a lot of people who would hear that and go, ah, it's not a good idea. I don't like seeing people get drunk. I don't like that kind of stuff. But the thing, the response I've come up with is you can't argue that because they think it's a bad idea is actually an argument you cannot argue. Uh, because that is what they think. So my counter is now, oh, that's okay, because you're not the target demographic. And that shuts everything down because, again, if this is on the narcissism scale, their inherent belief is that everything should be made for them. Everything should be designed to make them happy. So if I have an idea and that idea doesn't make them happy, they feel like it's a bad idea that you should abandon and come up with an idea that would impress them or would make them happy. But as soon as you say you're not the target demographic, because the target demographic for Top Shelf would be primarily middle-aged men, just like the car show. Um, So if you're anything other than a middle-aged man, you probably wouldn't actually enjoy it. I got the idea actually from watching Drunk History. I really enjoyed listening to people talk about something that they'd studied it, but they were essentially at that moment experts in this thing, but getting drunk makes it more fun to listen to. I was like, actually, to learn about a place and a local alcohol and stuff would be really fun. But then it also invalidates their criticism. Because if they say, oh, this has been done before, I don't like this, or it, does, it has some issue that I don't agree with you. Well, since you're not the target demographic, your criticisms no longer apply to my idea. So this not only protects me from their negativity, it actually stops them. And you can see the best part, because I've actually done this twice. The best part is watching them struggle with the idea that they are not the one being, like, they are not the goal. They are not the end-all, be-all of your existence. 
that my goal is to impress or create entertainment for another group of people that isn't you. On the scale of narcissism, they will struggle with the idea. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So there is, there's, a, there's also a secondary possibility that they will then start to change their opinion so that you will pay them more attention. Because again, we are talking about inherently narcissism. So when they said, I don't like this idea, and you go, oh, well, this idea isn't for you, they have a choice. They can try to completely invalidate that idea. But you've already set up that even if they try to do that, it doesn't work because it's not for you. Or they can start to change their opinion or their behavior so that hopefully either you change your idea so that you do want them as the target demographic or they change their opinion so that they start to like the idea you presented. And that is one way to deal with in real life trolls. If you are content creating and you want to talk about it with people, which honestly, as I said at the beginning of this, is a really bad idea.